Welcome aboard. We're riding the surf today out in the sales pipeline with your host, Matt Hines. Welcome, Matt. Hey, Paul. How are we doing? Okay. I couldn't come up with any clever uh, introduction, so it's just Matt today. That's okay. Matt's just fine because we're, we're going to do everything possible to maximize time with our guest today. Good. I am really excited about what we're going to talk about today. Uh, welcome, everyone, to Sales Pipeline Radio. I'm your host, Matt Hines. Thank you for joining us. If you're here with us live on the Lead uh, Management Net- Radio Network, we are live every Thursday at 1130 Pacific, 230 Eastern. If you're joining us from the podcast, welcome. Thank you for following. You can always find our podcast in every future episode on Google Play and the iTunes Store and every single episode of uh, sales Pipeline Radio is available on demand at salespipelineradio.com. We, every week, bring some of the best guests we can find uh, to interview on the trends and the latest in B2B sales and marketing, how to make the pipeline work for you, and how to close more deals and drive more revenue through more effective pipeline efforts. And really excited today to have with us a uh, very special guest, Andy Crestadina, uh, who I had the pleasure of hanging out with this week, earlier this week, in Toronto at the Uberflip Content Experience, and was just Thrilled, uh, thrilled to have him, thrilled to time this up. It is Andy Christadina Day, uh, Paul, at Heinz Marketing. He was featured this morning on our blog in a How I Work uh, session and, and, and very pleased to have him here uh, on the radio show as well. So, Andy, uh, thanks very here. much for joining us. No, honored, and uh, and it, this is uh, Matt Heinz week for me, so it was uh, fun to hang out there in Toronto, and uh uh, great to be here live. This is great. One of our callers wants to know if there's like, because it's a Matt Hines week and Andy week, is there a special sandwich that we can order today or anything? Is there any special, you know, item <laughs> on the menu? There are special sandwiches. I, I, for a second there, I thought your question was, what about Paul week? <laughs> Paul week? We, we, we will do a Paul week for sure. So uh, we're going to spend a lot of time talking with Andy about content uh, and, and including his book that he wrote last year, published called Content Chemistry and the Illustrated Handbook for Content Marketing. And I have to point out, I mean, Paul, this direct this conversation could take many different directions. Uh, they, the, you, Andy is a true Renaissance man. He is a pioneer in the content marketing space, and we'll get into that in a minute. He also plays the piano, speaks fluent Chinese. He is a certified arborist in Chicago, and he has been a past docent of the Chicago Architecture Foundation. I, I don't know what else you would add to that, uh, unless somehow, like you're also an Olympian, Olympian athlete uh, doing something, um, you know, coming up in the Winter Olympics. Uh, but impressive resume for sure. Maybe, maybe to start with. Um, where did all of that come from? My goodness. I mean, just a lot of different skills, a lot of different things you've been doing. Um, sort of, you know, walk us through a little bit of sort of where, you know, how did you become such a well-rounded person? Yeah, you really dug deep to find all the, uh, <laughs> the anecdotes there. Uh, it's, it's rare for anyone to ask you about anything except content marketing, search optimization, Google Analytics, you know, strategy, social. So, yeah, it's a fun question. I don't know. It was... Uh, Sort of random in college that I that I I did Mandarin. I mean, I started school in 1990 at University of Iowa, and so it was pre-internet, and I didn't really have any other plans. I was a, kind of a bad student, and Chinese seemed like a like a like a hard skill that I could prove that I knew it or not. So um, that kind of attracted me. Uh, the piano thing was just my parents making me learn it as a kid, um, and picked <laughs> it up a little bit later on. The architecture stuff and the tree stuff is just interest. I mean, everyone has interests. I mean, you could get the same intro for probably anybody, right? We all have things we love. And, uh, and if you, if you put them all together into a few sentences, it does, uh, makes it sound interesting, but no regular guy, basically content marketer here in Chicago. 
Also apparently a very humble guy, so I appreciate that very much. Well, I do definitely want to talk about content here today. You presented, you gave a keynote at this recent uh, Uberflip content experience, and you know, from everything I heard and from some of the early returns, definitely one of the most well-received uh, but most popular presentations, I think in part because the impact of what you gave in terms of the traffic and the lead and the pipeline impact that it can have, but also the relative simplicity. I mean, I think, you know, you started your presentation by, by sort of, you know, sort of with a nod towards the fact a lot of people are intimidated by SEO, that they are scared of what, uh, of the advanced techniques that I think a lot of SEO strategists really, I maybe try to intimidate people into thinking they need to hire someone to do it. But then you proceeded for, you know, the rest of the 40, 45 minutes to walk through a number of very practical, very applicable tools that almost anyone can accomplish. Why is SEO perceived as such a scary thing? And, and does that, does that perception need to persist? for people to do it right? You know, it's a that is an excellent question that is very rarely asked. I think SEO has kind of a reputation as sort of a shady kind of industry yeah. uh, with kind of a checkered past uh, because the people who buy SEO service, it tend to be a very low information buyer, which means that the people who provide the service can get away with some, you know, less than perfectly ethical tactics uh, when the people who hire you to do something have no clue what you're going to do, uh, that creates an atmosphere, an environment where uh, it's ripe for people that are uh, less than perfectly, you know, stand-up professionals uh, to actually succeed. For example, people who hire SEOs often and, and pay, you know, three thousand or five thousand or ten thousand dollars a month, think they need to keep paying that money to keep ranking. Yeah, I mean that's never true which means that there's a lot of SEOs that can kind of rest on their laurels and keep cashing that check, even though they might not be doing a whole bunch of stuff after the first few months of making the major improvements. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of a weird business. I'm not sure exactly why. You know, I think that if people who bought the service and people who were offering it or people who did it themselves in-house as a brand marketer just spent a little more time and used a little more mental endurance if they focused on the learning a little longer and knew more of what it was about, which is mostly – indicating relevance it's not magic right <laughs> i think then that then it would become something that um uh people get more value from if they outsourced it or people would understand better if they did it themselves i think that there is kind of a bread and butter approach to it that uh isn't that mysterious and so that makes it kind of fun to teach Absolutely. We're talking today with Andy Crestadina, who, uh, in addition to being an, arbor an arborist and a uh, piano player and everything else, is also the co-founder strategic director of Orbit Media Studios. You can check them out at orbitmedia.com. He is the author of Content Chemistry, an illustrated handbook for content marketing. Talk a little bit about the book. And I think, you know, you alluded to sort of how it was developed in your presentation this week, but talk about where that came from and sort of the idea behind sort of the uh, content chemistry. Why did you, why did you decide to call the book that specifically? Yeah, there's a, there's a post that I wrote probably five years ago that was like the periodic table of content, which is sort of like an infographic-y thing that just has like a little diagram that shows like these are the different formats for content, uh, podcast, webinar, book, ebook, tweet, post, article. And the article and the, the, the blog post was about how to atomize big things into small things, how to combine small things into big things. And so the name came from that. It was just like this kind of, you know, chemistry as a metaphor. But the, the general idea behind it was a post that I wrote for Jay Bear probably around the same time uh, called Nice Blogs Finish Last. And I made the case that if you are just more structured and persistent and focused in your approach, that you will gradually write a book as you blog. 
So the advice in the presentation yesterday or on Tuesday was to create in advance an outline of everything that you know, which will eventually become your lifetime body of work, L-B-O-W, your elbow, <laughs> your lifetime body of work. And so that's basically what I did. I did it with uh, first on paper, then with post notes on the wall, I'm like this is everything I know. And I saw gaps, and I filled them in with articles, publishing them, getting feedback on them, improving them. And then basically just in the end, I kind of repackaged this whole thing as a book. It's not that uncommon of a strategy, actually, just blogging into a book. There were things that I had to – it took me several months after I had all the blog posts together to sort of uh, repackage it. Um, and then it became like an annual book because it had screenshots and tactics and tricks that don't apply anymore, so I had to rewrite them, uh, remove them. And uh, it's turned into one of those things that gets updated every year or year and a half. Uh, the fifth edition will be out next year. Nice. Yeah, I, I, uh, I appreciate that uh, that effort. And I think, I, you know, the dirty little secret for me is the, uh, the last three books I published have been written exactly the same way. Uh, you know, where I had a topic that I wanted to cover, uh, an angle I wanted to take, and I basically, you know, sat down and wrote a table of contents first of what I wanted that to look like and then looked at the blog and said, how much of that have I already written uh, and, and which of the parts of the table of contents have I not written? And that became a big part of the editorial calendar moving forward. Um, and there is still a lot of work. You know, it's not just, you know, cutting and pasting into a word doc. There's formatting. You got to still make sure that you know any you know a lot of uh, sort of seasonal or timely references may be taken out. But um, you know there's a huge difference in in what people perceive you as when you have a blog versus when you have a book. And to your point, it's a lot of this. It's a lot of the same thing. Uh, and I imagine that yep. you know for your business and, and equally applicable to anybody who's listening, who's running a company or running sales and marketing for a company, the book becomes another reformatting of your content that is that is ultimately intended to drive demand and qualified uh qualified demand and and preference and differentiation as well right yeah and and that is the old that's the point of it all i mean if you think about why we're doing this it's not to become it's not to sell a bunch of books and the book just barely pays for itself i think it's sold like not even ten thousand copies total over the last however many years uh but what it but in a in a B2B sales context, right, which we all are passionate about this topic of sales, it's a great leave behind. It's sort of the $10 business card strategy. Mm-hmm. So you meet with, we, we build websites. You meet with four companies to build your website. One of them left behind a book that blows your mind with everything you need to know. It's the driver's manual for the website, right? And, and uh, that gives you a competitive advantage in sales. It's extremely effective in that way. Um, if I wanted to use it more for PR, I could just send it to people who I think might uh, include me in something they're working on or invite me to their event. Uh, if I was more deliberate about trying to get sales, I could just send it to different professors who teach marketing, hoping they might include it in their syllabus. But, yeah, it's uh, it's just another format for content. It's something that's part of a family of content. And to do it, it's just a matter of being a bit more uh, structured and persistent and having more forethought. If you just think of, if plan it in advance, you know, a year and a half you're going to have a book. So I definitely encourage anyone that's interested, go to orbitmedia.com, check out a lot of the stuff Andy's written. I mean, you can get access to his book there, but also some very, very detailed uh, blog posts on a number of really heady subjects. And speaking of detailed blog posts, you know, a few things that you talked about on Tuesday, I wanted to sort of have you give some color here as well. Like one of the things I heard a lot of people at the conference talk about after your presentation, and it certainly stuck with me as well, was that you made a comment, you know, you don't need a thousand good blog posts, you need a hundred great ones. Talk a little bit about what that means and what that implies for content marketers. Yeah, this is going to be a big change in the thinking for uh, for a lot of people who just uh, believe that content marketing is about putting out an endless supply, you know, of weekly medium quality things. 
If you're at all interested in search and in durable visibility, because you made something that ranks in Google and gets visits every day, then it's not really about making a lot of little things or a lot of medium things. What Google is trying to give everybody who searches for anything is the best page on the Internet for that topic. Now, if you go back and look at your analytics, you probably find you already have a couple of these. Virtually every website already ranks for a couple of something, right, a couple of phrases. What your job kind of becomes, I didn't explain it quite this way, but you, what you want to do, those are traffic champions. You want to create a couple more traffic champions because there's always a few things that have a massive disproportionate effect on your total number of visitors. So if your job is to create a couple more traffic champions, knowing that that's going to create just way more brand awareness for you, then you don't want to just keep making more medium-quality things. You want to go make a couple more great things, and you've already got a head start if you've already published a bunch. So going back and updating older things, especially older things that almost rank high or older things that are already converting a good percentage of visitors into subscribers, and just that, that strategy of updating content, I mean, the whole idea here, and I'm finding it to be true, there is far greater glory in going and making something good into something great. That page may already have high authority. There already might be links to it from other websites. And then there is in making a brand new thing, which starts with zero authority and no one linking to it. So, yeah, it's a, it, it's a totally different approach. And I think that uh, for people listening now, they may realize, like, yeah, what if I already got out there that I could make better uh, it's going to take less time and have far greater results. Absolutely. We're really enjoying our time today with Andy Christadina, who is the co-founder of Orbit Media, the author of the book Content Chemistry. We're going to have more with Andy after the break, talk a little more about some of his SEO and content tips. We'll be right back. Sales Pipeline Radio. Marketers acknowledge that account-based marketing is important, but what does that really mean? ABM requires a deep understanding of your target accounts and the people within its internal buying committee. Are you prepared to launch and drive results from an ABM program in your organization? Get the recording for the Modern Marketers Workshop, ABM, From Strategy to Action and Results, a fully online, on-demand workshop that includes an interactive workbook, the presentation slides, and templates, all for $195. Visit www.heinzmarketing.com workshops. That's H-E-I-N-Z marketing.com and get started now. <laughs> In a world where the speed of innovation and change in B2B marketing has never been greater, the only thing bigger is the need for clarity, for a blueprint, for a guide, to what's really working and how to apply it specifically to increase sales pipeline growth, velocity, and conversion. That's what you'll find in the Modern Marketer's Field Guide. Download it free at HeinzMarketing.com. It encompasses the entire sales and marketing pipeline, but in quick bursts with lots of specific, actionable ideas, strategies, and tactics you can put to work right away. The loaded table of contents helps you narrow in on and tackle a problem you're solving right now. Then you can come back when you need something else. Download your free copy of the Modern Marketer's Field Guide at HeinzMarketing.com. That's H-E-I-N-Z Marketing.com. All right, we're back. And uh, I don't know whether you saw this or not, Matt, but I was checking in your guests as well. He did play third base for the Chicago Cubs for a short while. So. (laughs) 
that's, I don't know if you saw well, that or I did not. I know that. That yeah. was impressive. For <laughs> a uh, very short while. But, yeah. Possibly yeah, not true, was, but very impressive nonetheless. Uh, well, thanks very much, was, uh, Paul, for the, yeah. for the, for the insight. Uh, welcome back, Sales Pipeline Radio. Hey, we got a lot of great guests coming up as we end, uh, so leave August, head into September, into the fall. Next week, we've got Adam Schoenfeld on Sales Pipeline Radio. He is the CEO and co-founder of a company called Sifrock. Imagine, if you will, Paul, every time you get an email and there's a subject and there's a signature line in that email, that signature, that the contact information is automatically updated into your CRM system, into your contact database. Um, all of this, all of the auto replies that come from your emails are automatically updated. If someone's gone from the company, it's updated. If they give you other people the contact, it's updated. These guys are disintermediating and changing the list business, and so we're going to talk about list business moving forward. Week after that, the week after Labor Day, we will be doing this show live from Cleveland, Ohio, in content marketing world. Uh, it is, uh, I don't know, uh, built. Andy will talk. About content marketing world, it might be uh, you know the uh, com or the uh, Woodstock for content nerds every year uh, in in the beautiful state of Ohio in the beautiful city of Cleveland. But uh, joining joining us again today uh, and for the rest of our show today, uh, Andy Crestadina. He is the co-founder and strategic director of Orbit Media, author of the book Content Chemistry, and uh, we were talking about great posts versus good ones and really sort of focusing on getting uh, better ranking for a smaller number of posts that really uh, that ultimately improves the traffic and quality of traffic you're getting. And part of that you kind of referenced was the idea of updating old posts, which I don't think a lot of people do very effectively. Talk about why that's so important and, and, and a couple tips for how people should go about doing that. Yeah, there are, there are articles on your website that rank on page two in Google. There are articles on your website that visitors who do find them love them and add themselves to your email list. Uh, there are articles on your website that might rank high, but the rank is starting to decline. Each of these needs a little love. And each of these, if you don't do something, uh, will either be a missed opportunity or you know, declining results. So when you know exactly what action to take, right? Here's the problem with content marketing is there's a bazillion things you can do at any given time. When you know exactly where to apply that pressure or, you know, how to get more, we said, how to get more juice for every squeeze, uh, the actions taken on those things will give you far better results than probably anything else you can do. Once you identify those, right, because you're tracking your, your rankings or you're watching your changes in search traffic per post or you know what your conversion rate from visitors to subscribers for each article which is a diff, you know, we could share links and articles and videos that explain the, how to find these things, but that, that's an analytics conversation. Once you know where these things are, you know what that thing is, yeah, improving that thing is going to give you far better results than making something new. As an example, I wrote an article about how to maximize subscribers by improving your email sign-up form. It ranked at the middle, bottom of page one for three years. Trickle of traffic, I was always happy with it. But wait, I can make that better. I can make that a better piece. I can make it more concise. I can add more examples. I can go deeper on the topic. Two weeks ago, updated it. It's now ranking number three. <laughs> it's right under MailChimp, and uh, traffic to that page has tripled. Uh, that took me less time to get a greater benefit than had I just wrote some brand new article. Yeah, I mean, it's important advice, and I mean, I was, you know, that, it was at that point that I was particularly taking notes because I think a lot of marketers uh, really think about volume, and they think I think a lot of marketers are in the in the in the habit of thinking about more. I want more content, more blog posts. Doing a lot more volume is important. And I think what you're pointing out is that not only is sometimes really focusing on the best quality best, but um, you know, oftentimes you have an opportunity to go back and make something better. And an awful lot of companies have some great enterprise marketing blog posts out there that don't say 
anything about account-based marketing. And in today's day and age, awful lot of searches for ABM and ABM-related topics that may or may not be getting a lot of top, you know, search there. You you covered this a little bit this week in terms of talking about keywords versus semantic search. And I, I to this day, I still don't know that everyone really understands the difference. Talk a little bit about precision versus intent in terms of content and what that means or how people should be creating content today. Sure. So. Uh, this is 18 years of SEO, so I did it back in the day even before Google had finished winning the battle. Uh, and we optimized content for Lycos and Hotbot and Excite and AltaVista, and it was weird back then. <laughs> and, it, and it's better now. But uh, basically, uh, for a long time, what we all did is we optimized content for keywords. What's the primary phrase? What's the secondary phrase? I want when people search for this combination of words and letters for my article to rank high. What's changed and what not everyone is adapted to is that Keywords are, of course, when you think about it, intent. That visitor wants something. What do they want? What are they really looking for? And and that and Google has figured this out and knows that the uh, the searcher's intent is really what matters. And to show the visitor the page that gives that answers their question, so you could do things just to prove it to yourself. You know, type in like, what's the name of that actor who's in Fast and Furious? You know, the search result will show Vin Diesel. You did not type Vin Diesel into your query. But it showed you the it showed you him because that page satisfied your answer. Now that's a really easy example, but here's how it affects content marketing. Instead of writing a page that's all about that phrase, write a page that's all about the topic. Cover the topic more broadly. And to do that, all you have to do is find the phrases and words that are connected to your topic, semantically connected to your topic within Google, and the clues for finding those phrases are everywhere. So the example I gave is an article called like. Um, it's like a website footer design. It's like what to put in your website footer. And rather than just tar- target the phrase website footer design, I did some research for about an hour to figure out all the phrases that are semantically connected to the phrase website footer design through a couple of tactics, and we can explain, like, what are the related searches for this? Or what does Google suggest if you start searching for this? And all those words are like website footer design, best practices, examples, code, copyright, uh, inspiration, right, all these related words. So my article was simply keyword-focused on website footer design, but also I made sure to include just simple inclusion, right, just working in the language for all the related phrases. That means I'm targeting the topic more broadly, not just the specific phrase. And uh, that article gets read like 150 or 200 times a day now because it ranks number one for all the website footer design-related phrases, and there's lots of related phrases. So that's just a simple prescriptive approach to what we call semantic SEO, don't just target the phrase, target the broader topic. And a lot of this insight, I mean, people, I think, assume you need to have some kind of crazy enterprise analytics platform for this kind of insight. I mean, there are some pretty easy-to-access tools for most people to really better understand what what people are searching for and where their pages rank. What are a couple places that people without a lot of expertise or really a lot of money can, can take advantage of to find this information? Yeah, well, this conversation so far has been great, right? Because the only tools we've mentioned are Google itself, uh, WordPress, maybe for publishing. Um, I'm using, you know, uh, Google Docs to do the writing. Uh, Google Analytics to find the pages that need the most love. We haven't mentioned anything. And this actually, I've got a little bit of an extra grind, and I'm going to throw out a strong opinion here <laughs> because I think this is important. There's a lot of people who think that the first step is to spend a bunch of money on a tool and that's why I thought of it a second ago, Matt, when you said that. Like, people think they just need to keep publishing. It's sort of like a HubSpot mentality, right? Like, you're a slave to your publishing calendar. You're buying a 1000 bucks a month worth of marketing automation software. 
you're early, you're a junior marketer, you're just getting going, but you're still already spending a thousand dollars a month on on a on a tool, mm-hmm. and you keep pumping out. It's like you know, go to the gym, eat your vegetables, and publish a blog post. I mean, if you take HubSpot's advice, you can do everything they suggest and get no results at all. It's more than the tool. You don't need tools. You don't need tools at all. You need to make a great page on your topic. You need to understand how competition works in search and authority. I mean, there's some things you need to know, but nothing I've ever suggested costs any money at all. It just takes time. Yeah. And, and as, as you and I talked about after your presentation, I think, you know, this this stuff is not rocket science. This stuff is not elusive. It does just you just have to put your hard hat on every day. You got to really be, you got to be strategic about it. You got to be smart about it. And you have to be consistent about it. You write to your point, you know, you write something, you know, a year ago, two years ago um, that did well. It may not do well forever. You know, so being diligent about reviewing what's working, what's not, improving what you have, looking for the opportunities to, you know, to, to better rank for, you know, sort of opportunistic keywords and phrases, super important. Well, I just got a couple more minutes here with uh, Andy Christadina. I'm assuming, Andy, for people to check out more of your content, orbitmedia.com is the best place to go. Anywhere else people should go to check out more of your content? Mm, I love what you guys are doing with the audio format. I do have a podcast. It's called Content Matters. Uh, there are 11 listeners, so we're ready to welcome our 12th. I'm kidding. <laughs> nice. I mean, it's it's a fun format, but it's it's really hard to tell. You know, uh, podcasts like uh, you get very little feedback or few, not much in analytics. But yeah, there's the book, Content Chemistry. There's the there's the um, the blog. I write at a lot of places. Uh, you and I are both kind of members of that content marketing world community, so we'll be there. Um, you can catch us live and in person in Cleveland uh, in two weeks. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm easy to find. Uh, LinkedIn's a good network if you want to connect with me. So LinkedIn, uh, at Crestodina at, uh, at, on Twitter. If you want to see what we're thinking about in a couple weeks in Cleveland, uh, you can follow everything going on there with hashtag CMWorld. want to, again, super thank our guest, Andy Crestodina, who is the author of Content Chemistry. We're going to have to wrap up here and let, uh, let some, other, some other shows take some space here. Definitely join us next week as we talk more about list management. You're definitely going to want to make sure if you have anything to do with managing lists, keeping lists updated, keeping your database up to date uh, for your sales and marketing efforts, you want to join us next week. And anytime you want to check out a new episode of Sales Pipeline Radio, find us on the podcast at Google Play, the iTunes Store. Find any past episode, including this one, in a couple days at salespipelineradio.com. For my uh, lovely producer, Paul, this is Matt Hines. Thanks for joining us on Sales Pipeline Radio. You've been listening to Sales Pipeline Radio, brought to you by Matt Hines and Hines Marketing, right here on the Funnel Radio Channel for at-work listeners like you.